0: I said it's a weekend to remember because we also include Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. And I approached our pastor and asked him about having one of my friends share his witness. And he said, well, you haven't spoken in a while. Why don't you take the service? Well, it'd be great to be able to speak, but we need to be able to hear from these men who gave their lives, and served our nation, who bore the heat of the day. So my friend Tom Brown is a Marine, a former Marine. He served in Vietnam. And I also, again, I'm so thankful for our veterans in this congregation. And I'd like to also acknowledge a special person who is here today. His name is Bill Kowalik. And Bill is a neighbor who inspired my son, along with Jim Murphy, to become a Marine. And men, as you know, my son served eight years. And he's grateful. And he shares one thing in common with every person who served in that branch, is they love the men and women who they served along. And they love the Corps. And Bill is a recipient of the Naval Cross. And as he would modestly say, the real heroes didn't come home. Mm -hmm. Tom and I, we met when we were young on the streets. And uh, I can say this, is Tom was a straight up guy. And what we mean by that is he wasn't afraid, loyal, didn't rat, knew how to keep his mouth shut. And he did write by a friend, and sometimes under unpleasant circumstances. That's Tom Brown. And I wrote, or rather, Sally Zito wrote in her book, just uh, our lives. And I wrote about one of the fights we were involved in. And, uh, Tom, I included you in there because you were the first person out of the car, first person running at those people, those other young adults. <laughs> but most of us in here have seen the Jesus Revolution, and it's a real outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Frank Majeski, God Almighty, used him to lead people to come to know Christ. And on the west side, there was a young man named Ralph Morrison who also led people to know Jesus Christ. And both of them really were instrumental in the Detroit area in helping to lead so many young adults. And included in there was my friend Tom Brown. And Tom, I want you to know also is that... One of the young women who was there at Baldock that day, we waited in there, I think maybe a dozen of us, and shared our faith that day. She's here today, and all of her girls love and serve the Lord. She and her husband, Paul and Jan, they've raised a good family. And Tom, you had a part in that, in sharing Christ with all those young people at Baldock. Someone picked up a stone while Frank Majeski was speaking. They would hit Frank with it. He stopped. He picked it up. This is the first time this has happened to me. I'll keep this stone. And so the thing is, is again, we're honored to have our speaker. It's said in the Westminster Catechism that the chief aim of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Tom Brown, you're well on your way. So do come up, Tom.
1: Can you hear me Okay. I'm usually loud enough without the, but uh, that comes from yelling, going up yelling. It's Memorial Day here in the Gettysburg Address. I didn't expect that. Uh, That's powerful. That's so powerful. Um, It uh, I'm sure he didn't think it would be something necessarily would endure. But, you know, everything that we do in terms of what's really true endures. Christ, who is the truth, and by which we are redeemed through the truth. Sanctify them, Father, by the truth. Your word is truth. That's ultimately what happens to every person, every man, every woman, every boy or girl, children. I was reminded this morning about a friend of mine who was 11 years old when the Lord spoke to him. He died a little over a year ago, January, friend of mine. He was only 47 heart issues. Died of a heart attack at a nursing facility I was in in Colorado. David, great guy, great heart and uh, he had all kinds of struggles, a lot of health problems through his life. But he had committed himself to Jesus at 11, the, uh, the Billy Graham ministry. And the word of the Lord was out there, Christ himself, who is the word. That's what happened in the, in the late 60s, early 70s. It was a special kind of thing that happened. and I didn't realize it was Pentecost Sunday. It shows you how in touch I am. But God knows that. And uh, God's, uh, that that would be my testimony today, brothers, and Marines here today, semper fidelis, always means always faithful. Well, He is always faithful, Jesus. And uh, I was back from my war, Vietnam War, in uh, '69, and uh, was a de- became a drug addict, was a dope addict, Robin. My partner died in prison after 40 years in there. They got shivved in there in Jackson. And uh, a month before, the Lord grabbed me. And I talked to Dennis afterwards and hey, said, Denny, this is not religion. This is a Jesus, man. He's real. And he's alive. And he's given me something. I don't even want to get that stuff no more. And, you know, it was one of those things yeah, good for you, Brown. I'm happy for you. I just ain't ready for that. A month later, he was in jail for seven counts armed robbery. He did 10 to 20 in Jackson, was out two weeks on parole, was strung out, was using in the joint, and ended up being snagged for robbing another armed robbery thing, nine counts armed robbery. The judge gave him natural life. He died in prison. He was in a total of over 40 years, a month before I Got the word. So uh, I'm giving you word here today Jesus. That's what happened. What, they had it, Jesus freaks. Today it's the Jesus revolution. That's okay. That's just people saying what happened, but what really happened was that the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord. Now the Lord who is the Spirit, it says, the Lord is the Spirit, and He's the one that touches us. Christ came to die. For all of us, everyone, every man, every woman, every person, came to die that whosoever believes in him won't perish. Because the world's perishing. Any, any guys? It's more perishing in my eyes than it was 50 years ago when I was watching my buddies die. I just found out a uh, part of my testimony is remembering my guys, ones I carry on a. got off the wall. A friend of mine got some etchings from the wall that I hadn't had. He brought them to me a year ago in Colorado. Frank Balsan was my buddy, he got killed March 4th. Sniper got him. I'd been with him two weeks before. We were in the Ashaw in operation for 50 days for one nine. That was my outfit, 9th Marines, 1st Battalion. We went in with 1,100 strong rebuilt battalion. We were less than 500 when he lifted us off on the 18th of March after 50 days and nights. Frank got it there on the 4th of March. I always would think about him. So I, I get a chance to remember my friend that didn't come home, didn't get to have family. And then uh, as, a, as things would work, God's always amazed me. My sister, who's kind of a sleuth, she should have been a P.I. <laughs> she she's tracked down friends of mine and buddies that I'd lost touch with, a couple that came back. And then a friend that was killed in, uh, on the 17th of March, St. Patty's Day, I'm Irish. And uh, so it's, it was actually more of a mem- memory than I ever wanted to have for, for St. Patrick's Day because uh, uh, my friend Earl, staff sergeant with Charlie Company, 19, was killed on, uh, on St. Patrick's Day. And uh, I had been with him that day and the day before. And then they went out on an ambush. And just as it was getting dusk, lay in an ambush. And they got ambushed. He got hit with an RPG. And that morning, I didn't know he was dead. The next morning, Jack and I were loading the last of our dead brothers. I'm not used to this. Um, so so uh, Jack says to me, he's brown, you know who that is? I said, no, man. It was the last guy I carried on the bird and he was in a poncho. I said, he said, uh, I said, Wilson. I said, oh, God. So uh, he was my last guy. I put on a helicopter. St. Patrick's Day. Memorable day to party. That's what that was. Always was. Come from a family of drinkers. And my dad was a Marine on Iwo Jima. Flamethrower man for 35 days until he got blinded. And God restored his sight after about a month. But he, he was a hero. And he had the same thing that was said earlier. All the heroes didn't come home. That's the way we you know, that's the way we felt I still do. heroes I get that hero stuff a lot you know I say hey man I'm here I got both arms and legs you get hurt? see I got hurt a couple of times but uh, look at me I'm moving now I'm fat as a pig because I don't do what I should have done I'm doing it now got about 40 to go and that's not that's no big thing in the big picture. But it is in terms of sharing the things of God and having the ability to move when you could, and and you don't because you won't. So that's getting dealt with, along with oil change, points, and plugs, and all the other parts, dental. I can eat corn through a picket fence right now. they are going to pull those and give me some dentures. Quote Soupy Sales, who said, if you're true to your teeth, when you get old, they won't be false to you. (laughs) You remember that? Soupy? You never heard the gospel according to Soupy, did you? You know, well, you did this morning. <laughs> Thank God we got some humor. I don't know what I'd do without a sense of humor. But I wanted to share a poem with you that I wrote back in the late 80s. This was, it, I'll give you a little background. It came out of a situation. We were out in the Ashaw. It was a 50-day operation, 50 days and nights for 1-9. Two other battalions were there 56 days. They couldn't get us out. Weather was terrible. We were along the Laotian border, and we actually got to go in there. And Nixon okay, it was the only time, the only time he authorized us to go in over those borders. People went in, but we were authorized. Anyways, uh, it was a horrible time. We, Like I said, we lost lots of people, a lot of good friends. Horrible time. I was 18. You think you're a big hard one, Marie? <laughs> you look back at them pictures and say, God, who's that kid? Who's that little kid? Skinny. I was 140 pounds probably when I come home because we didn't eat well over there. We went days, five days, almost six without food, three without water in combat. Horrible for our guys that were wounded. And then we lost most of them, because we couldn't get medevacs. They call it the helicopter war. You couldn't teach us that. There wasn't no help. The birds flew. They were great. I had friends. I ended up having buddies that were chopper pilots and gunners and everything. And But we couldn't get them. The weather wouldn't permit. So we carry our guys who were lightly wounded who would have lived, come home, and patched up, went on to have life, didn't come back. Didn't make it. like girl. Frank. Just a bunch of others. My buddy went he was at the wall there two years ago. He said, Brian, you got any names on the wall? I said, Yeah. I said, I'll give you four. And then I don't need no more. But I've got more. I said, uh, so he gave me the names of Frank Balson from Islip, New York. PFC Frank Balson, 18, March 4th, 69, killed 54 years ago. It's hard to say that, huh? Talk about 50 years like it was last week. Alex over here, my man, I went to high school. at we 15 years old, running the streets in Detroit. Bagley boys. ha. <laughs> I met a guy a couple of weeks ago who knew who that was. Most people don't know Bagley. That was we were, we were kind of a big gang back in them days, and in the 50s and the 60s. But, um, and that's how I ended up in the Marine Corps. Felipe, our buddy, Carlos Felipe Mendoza Lozano, one of the large names on that wall in DC. Yeah, he got killed, sniper 67. <laughs> December 67, I joined the Marine Corps, 17 years old. My old man said, this ain't a good war, Tom. He was, he, was, he was my hero, and he, and he was. This guy was, I had a heck of a shadow to follow. Believe me, and I didn't follow it like he did. I mean, he was something. But he was a drinker after the war. It was a mess, and then the Lord snagged him. Alex met him years later in, uh, as a Christian, as a man that followed Christ, and was a great encouragement to people. The Lord did that thing that was called the Jesus Movement. Man, it was more than any kind of thing that people put in a paper. The Spirit of the Lord, through the simple preaching of Jesus Christ and Him crucified for our sins, rose again for our glorification, our justification, did everything He did for us. And it's un- it can't be undone. What Christ did was once and for all. I loved hearing that this morning, Alex. Once, you know, one Pentecost, one Calvary, one resurrection. There'll be another. And you'll be part of it. And you can be part of it now. That's, that's what I'm amazed at right now. I'm 72. And it's uh, been washboard road. I, mean, I ain't going to lie to you. I mean, life is hard, man. This world is difficult. Different seasons. You have great seasons. You have great joys. But you have a lot of bumpy road on this, wor- on this world, man. But Jesus, is the, he is the one who puts our feet upon the rock, who is Christ himself. There is no rock save our God, and our God is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy One, the I Am, Emmanuel, God manifest among us. For once and forever, there'll be none like Him. There'll be lots of names. There'll be calling Christ and this and that, but it ain't Jesus. It ain't Jesus the Christ, and you make sure you know the difference. And you can know the difference Jesus said to the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection, He said, You do greatly err, not knowing the Scripture nor the power of God. They, they had some faith. They, they understood things about the Scripture. They had a particular brand of religion, you might call it. But they didn't know Him who was the Word of the living God, who was the Word in the beginning, creating and upholding all things this day by the word of his power. He holds your breath in his hands today. And if you want to know the nearness of Jesus, look to him. Christ said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all unto me. And that's what we're trying to do. That's my mission. That, that's, I'm trying, I've been trying to do it for over 50 years, and I haven't done a great job. But now more than ever, you know, we were used of God. We were wonderfully used of God in Detroit, in Colorado, California. I've had a lot of great things to see, and I've walked in a lot of feces, my own mostly. And I'm forgiven, and I walk in the mercy of God. A dear friend of mine has been gone many years with the Lord now, Brandon Rimmer, uh, dear brother, he was another veteran, flew in the famous Devil's Brigade. My, my friends, the Curedors, are here today. They, they knew Brandon real well. You know, we've known each other 54 years, something like that. But Brandon was a fighter pilot. For the, De- and the Devil's Brigade, if you read anything about World War II, famous outfit. He was, a, he was like a spy before we got involved in war over there in Wiesbaden. He told me one time, he said, man, he said, when you are around them, when they were having their rallies and they were zig Highland, he said, you gave as much gusto as you could muster, man, because they'd, t- they'd cut your throat if you didn't. He was under pressure like that. And then he became a, a pilot and a commando and gave him about every medal you could get, except the Medal of Honor. Yeah, Buku decorations, all that, and God had His hand on Brandon. His father was a Christian, and he was a wild one, and he wandered out in the in the garbage for some time, and then the Lord snagged him, woke him up, like one of the other brothers, Haskell Stone, Jewish brother, rabbi, teacher, brilliant guy, was the main pastor of the church there in Northwest Fellowship in Detroit. I met him a month after I became a Christian. He was scary. He's he told ruff i don't know that guy well i was helping him move furniture well i just come out of that crazy drug world and and kicking doors in and a lot of mad, bad stuff and, and so i but well, he and he could see the street thing you could see the old you know, oh he's a marine vietnam god they're crazy that's all you he heard about him shooting people off rooftops they never talked about the thousands of guys that, that came back and became cops and firemen and teachers and everything under the sun raised families and children grandchildren you always heard the bad stuff, and that's the way it works. That's what the world loves. That's why the news sucks, as they say. To use that vernacular, right, guys? The kids, today's vernacular, it sucks. It sucks. It does. It's just, I don't watch the news too much. Keep it a little bit. Too much, or I just get, I get P- P.O.'d, right? I do. You know, yeah, hey, you ain't supposed to get so upset. My, my son says, Why are you bothered by that Camp Lejeune thing about the toxic water? I said, Because it's the same line of garbage. They sold my generation after they, I got chemical burns on me. I've been burying friends from Agent Orange. It's not a myth. And they they sold it down the river to the people because it's trillions of dollars if they had to be responsible to pay. Now it's the toxic water that they've known about for 45 years. When I get pissed off when I heard that, and my son and my daughter, Dad, you know, Dad. I said, all right. I said, but that's why. I said, it's not theoretical to me. Just like that war wasn't theoretical. Well, not to us who were in it, you know, you carry your friends in pieces in ponchos, you got a little problem with the superficial fluff that they make in the war. And they didn't show what we were in in the the Vietnam movies. Not much of it. And the smells, you never forget it. Your friends, you smell them from 50 yards because they're decomposing. The spirits are going on to be with God, and God knows that. But you think that's an easy thing. These people over there in the Ukraine right now, they're learning about that. It's hell. It is hell. It's the gates of hell. But we're told that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the Lord. are we? I had cancer several years ago. I was in a nursing facility. I was over 300 pounds, man. I got hurt, and I couldn't move, and I ate cereal, and half and half, and donuts, and Blimped out up over 300 pounds and had cancer all of a sudden. I got to go in. They, they cut me, gunned me like a fish. And I was uh, 62 pounds lighter after surgery before they started the chemo. Yeah, I put 20 back on. Uh, and I got 40 or so to lose. But the Lord was working, and, he, and, I, and I was cognizant and seeking Him. And not just because I was in cancer and could maybe die. I've been seeking Him all along, even in my stupidity. When well, I've wandered, the Lord, God is so faithful. I mean, there's faithful, there's simple fidelis, embodied Jesus. He who is faithful. One of my favorite passages is from Thessalonians. It says, Faithful is he who calls you, who also will do it. And isn't that what Paul teaches us? If we would read the scripture, you guys do. I'm trying to get people to read again. One of my brothers, he's hip on the tech thing. He said, Man, you're, you're old school. I said, Yeah. And I'm staying old school because I'm going to ha- ha- encourage young people to read and th- read slowly. Because meditation is just, it just simply means think about what this says because these words of Christ, the words of God in the scriptures, after the resurrection, Jesus comes to those guys on the road to Emmaus. Remember? The two guys he meets, they don't recognize who he is. He's hidden from them. He's cloaked. And they don't know who he is, and then he, and then he opens their eyes afterwards. He stays with them, and they break bread, and they realize. But then, and then he said, after he's gone, that di- next day, he says, didn't our hearts burn within us while he spoke to us from the Scripture? You want to have something that's transcendent, you get into Scripture and seek Jesus, and you will find him. You will find him who stilled the waters, who raised the dead who brought life out of death. Many of you here have been, had much loss in life. Christ is the Redeemer, man. He is the Redeemer. And he will redeem. And everybody who comes to him, we don't bring anything to the table, guys. He brings. The, he lays the bank. That's why you want to read that. Just think about that story about the prodigal. Because this guy goes away and just is his whole inheritance into the, into the wind, man. And he's out there eating with the pigs. And God, it says the father beheld him afar off. And finally the kid says, God, I, I'm, no, I'm not fit to be called his son, but I'm going back home. And he begins to t- come back to God. Come back to the father. And there's a picture of the father in there. This guy who's the father, who's a, Jesus has given us a picture of our father in heaven. And he says, he, he grabbed a you know robe, totally indignified of a man of the stature he's referring to, and ran to embrace his son. And his son had already had his little speech ready, right? You're gonna come and go to my father and say, I'm not worthy. And and uh, the father says, No, nah, come on, I don't want to hear a word. Let's go. Grabs him, embraces him. You were dead now. You're alive. You were blind now. You see. We're gonna have a feast. And that's what happens when you sit at the table. I was reading this morning earlier about Jonathan. David and Jonathan, remember? One of his children was lame in both ankles. He he couldn't, couldn't walk. He was crippled. And he sat at the table of the king. After his dad was dead, killed, Jonathan was killed with Saul, his father, in a foolish situation, he paid for the sin of his father and died. So him and David, who were like tight as brothers can be. Never got to have that in this life. They got it now. But he died. And, and But when David was established in his kingdom, he went and got that kid and had him sit at the table the rest of his life. Now you got a place at the table today. You have a place at the king's table, man. Jesus. And you can eat every day from the Spirit of God, and have the words burn in your heart so that when you say goodbye to your brother or sister at night or after a Bible study or after a service, say, didn't our hearts burn within us? Well, he spoke to us from the Scripture. Hearing the songs this morning, I love the songs, man. They're filled with, with words from the Scripture, words that are from the Spirit of the living God, Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ present with us, always present with us. And he wants us to know it. Back in Vietnam, I said I would read something here about this Vietnam a little bit. I don't talk a lot about that. I do some, but i like to bring it back to where it was. Uh, uh, I don't even remember what day it was. We had a lot of stuff happening. We had been humping all day long carrying that heavy ruck, man, for 80, 90 pounds. We'd been through a lot by that time already in this operation. It was the worst one any of us had been on. We'd seen a few things before that, but this was the definitive time for our young Marines, me and my, my guys. We, we humped all through the boonies. We are in triple canopy jungle along the Laotian border. My man Bill probably knows that area and another brother. Horrible to cut. We were sharing. You know, we are just exhausted, young, strong, but exhausted, and then after a certain point, we came to an area, guys up ahead of us had already, engineers had blown an area for an LZU and they're going to have to extend it, but there was crap laying all over and, and uh, man, we popped down on a, I was humping 81 mortar rounds along with all my own gear and stuff, everybody, we did, you helped. You carried everything you had to, people, whatever was needed, you were a humper, you were a mule. That's what, we talked about the elite Marine Corps in those days, I said if you had a heartbeat and you could hunk, hump the ruck and use the weapons you were in, and if you could keep putting that foot in front of the next one, you, you became a Marine. Boot camp didn't do it for you. I mean, we sh- told that. You really got your baptism over there. Everybody knew that. Anyways, we went and did our thing and did everything we could and survived. Those of us got to come back. During this one incident there we just got there, we laid back down on the ground, and me and my buddies were Yeah. You know, I mean we, well, we weren't strangers to humping boonies, but this was something else. <laughs> you know, and uh you know, oh, God, I can't move. And then all of a sudden, pow! Sniper. Jaeger goes down. Corporal Jaeger shot him right through the right side of the chest. Now we're, now the lightnings run right through your backside. What's that adrenaline p- pucker factor about, Brown? I said, the pucker factor is such that they couldn't pin a pull, pull a pin out of your backside with a tractor trailer. Because <laughs> you're tight, man. You're, one part of your anatomy is up here, you know, in your throat. Those aren't tonsils. You think they might be. You're scared. You're scared, but you're moving, and you're looking to get this dude to just shot your buddy. We're yelling down the line, hey, we're trying to hide, and you, snipers are weird because if you, you stay still, you might be the stationary target. If you move too much, then they might nail you. I hated snipers. Sometimes we'd have three, four of them up around us, popping us. We got them. The best tool, I getting get into this friend of mine on my left, just right from here to that mic, right there. He had a 79, blooper, we call him. I got him. Where's he at? I, he was 70 yards, 75 yards out in the tree, tree line. Boop, and you can watch that round, <whistles> boom. And there's this dude dangling some ropes he had tied himself into. See, he was ke- helping his guys, his, his bravery, and we're going to look at that for a minute. Because in them days, we didn't see them. You know, we made names, and it's du- zips, gooks, dinks. You got, if you're going to be killing people, you've got to put a new name on them besides brother. Mm-hmm. You can't. Mm-hmm. It's hard to kill a brother. Mm-hmm. So we just read about it. In the Civil War, they were killing brother against brother. Yeah. All that stuff. What it did to this country. we never recovered. I mean, we've had great stuff, and don't. I mean, I'm proud to be here. I'm thankful to be here. Always have been. Now we're in trouble. My God! You know, you're born. I won't get off on this. But you're born with chromosomes X, X, and X, Y. You're a man or a woman. There's no such thing as a, as a. You might think you're an electric fan, but you're not. <laughs> they don't make you an electric fan, does it? There's no such thing as a transvestite. There's men and women. And you feed the nature that God put you to be. And you go back to the word of God for the truth. And don't compromise it just because some morons have changed laws in this country. Oh, it's just fine. Now, the press came down here. on some on a clip not long ago about the gay marriage thing. Oh, come, come. Right. I said, what? You're rejoicing? We're hap- we can sodomize each other to our heart's content? Is that from God? Never has been. Never will be. Getting a little upset, ain't I? It's sick. Now you're going to teach the children? You might think you're a guy. You might think you're a girl. Let's see. if We'll we'll work it out. You're one or the other and get with it. Get back to the truth. Get back to where you once belonged, baby. That's what we got to learn to do. Because if we don't, get into the scriptures and ask God to teach you. And, and, and thank God for his children that, that, that do teach you. The people in the, the Sunday school this morning that are giving him little things. Great brother, that brother, Pascal Stone, who was the teacher, a great gift, tremendous teacher, one of the best. He, the Jews for Jesus begged him to go move to New York. He said, No, man, I belong in Detroit. He taught at two universities, OCC and some other places, philosophy. He's a brilliant guy, but he preached Jesus, man. I was with him a lot, and we became very good friends. And uh, he's one pastor I'd seen. He, he, they'd be meeting in a school out there in the Northwest Side, and he's going to preach. I mean he was ready, but he didn't have a word from God that he knew was the Lord telling him to do it. So I don't have anything today, brothers. I saw him do it several times. You guys can sing, let's sing and praise God. let's pray. Somebody else has a word, give it. According to that's the way they did it in the New Testament. If we did that more, maybe we'd see that, we'd see some of the other people being developed. Anyways, that's one of my old pet peeves, with churches. <laughs> but um, he would say, not today, guys, I don't have it. And then another time, and he'd be wrestling with that. Because this guy wrestled with his ministry of the word. He wasn't just going up there with a speech. He wanted the word from God that would touch people. And he knew that unless Jesus came in power. You know, the great Spurgeon, the C.H. Spurgeon, the British preacher, They called him the Prince of Preachers there 150 years ago. He had hundreds of people praying for him every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Underneath where he preached. They had a room down there. Nobody even knew about it. To pray for the presence of the Lord to come so it wouldn't just be another dead Bible study. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't. I've got his writings now. I've got volumes of that guy. He was filled with the life of Christ. Mm -hmm. Jesus was everything to that guy. He had gout. He was a... Physically a wreck, he was 54 years old, tremendous pain and injury, but man, he loved Jesus, and he was used all over the world, particularly in the speaking world, but everywhere. They translated his sermons everywhere because they were infused with life, like the scriptures. I've got a number of books. A friend of mine, Jennifer, has got my first one, Letters of Samuel Rutherford from 1725, this sort of thing. He was a pastor, and he was a renowned guy. All the old-timers through the centuries after that said, this guy was just a pastor's pastor, loved people. He was a guy with the sick people. He was a guy that always was there, but he also had a great gift of lifting up Jesus and counseling. And they had letters from him. Well, I got letters from him. I got letters from uh, Robert Murray McShane, the young Scottish preacher, a century later. And then another, the next century I had letters had letters from four different centuries of believers. And I'd read them, and I, was, I cut my teeth, so to speak, what I used to have, on the King James Bible. That's where I started reading the scripture. So I love it. And it's, it's you know, Tyndale, who, I won't get off on this too much, the guy who ch- translated the, the scripture into English, they, they burned him at the stake. <laughs>
0: you
1: know, they killed him. M- one of the martyrs. The blood of the martyrs is what, the seed of the church? Was that how they used to say it? Old-timers? It's, it's, it, that's always been true. People that are willing to die, that it doesn't go like we're remembering our veterans today. But we're all remembering our guys that die. Some of them helped carry us through some stuff. I never forget them guys. And I had a commander, company commander, and um, I got to be with him and talk to him two weeks before he died. And I had been talking to him about the Lord for 25 years. Old Fritz Warner. You might know him. He was an old mustanger. That was... In the Marine Corps, they, they, they took good NCOs, staff NCOs in particular, made them officers to lead platoons and companies in that war. And usually the best officers were those guys, because they came up through the ranks. They knew what it was to, in our case, burn the scheiter? Burn That's feces. We burnt it, you know, in Vietnam. You probably saw it in some of the movies. But you come up from the ground up, and if you're a good person, you become really, the, they were the best officers. They were the best leaders. I've heard a lot of negativity about officers and Marines. Man, I knew some fabulous all I knew some jerks, but most of them were outstanding. Just for them, send a brother here today. I, I got a buddy who was an officer, Marine, with the 4th Marines in Connecticut. Bob Kelly was awarded the Navy Cross. He's a friend of mine, man. He was just a stand up. A good officer is a shepherd. And, and if you're a good believer, you become a shepherd. I was an under-shepherd at 20 years old in Colorado, co-pastoring in a church, because I loved Jesus, and I wanted to help people, and I wanted to bring people. When I was in that nursing home, I'm bouncing around a little here. Guys, are hoping to follow my stories. My, dad, sister, my daughter always said, Dan, you always tell them stories. I said, well, that's what I got. The Lord spoke in parables. He lets me tell my stories as long as I don't embellish. I don't add to them. I don't take from them. This is what happened. Do what you want with it. But if it's a real story, then it's something that, that blesses you, because it's not for show; it's for life. So the Lord has been so good to me. And um, see, I put this down. You guys hear me, all right? I figured you could. You know, that's usually not my problem. Quiet down. You know, my buddy says that to me. But Jesus is with us, and today's Pentecost, we remember. The, the promise of the Holy Spirit to come and live in us and make us, renew us as children of God, sons and daughters of the living God, and to know that through this life until our life is over into the next world where it's going to be perfection. The Apostle John says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, but it does not appear what we shall be, but when He appears we will see him, and we will be like him, and we will be made like him. For we will see him as he is, in perfection. And transformation will take place. All this dust will fly, will go away. Your spirit, which is his, and your new creation in Christ. If anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation today. Today is a new day because God is alive. Christ is risen. The spirit has been given we're remembering our veterans. We're remembering those who shed their blood because that wasn't vain. My guys who died in a lousy lie in a bunch of politician war, my guys, they're not forgotten by God. That's true. Their life was, they didn't get to come home and do what I have. But my guys are good, good, good people, man. you think God's going to miss that? Apostle Peter says this in, in the book of Acts. He says, I have perceived that God is no respecter of persons, but that in every nation, those who fear God and do right are accepted by him. I'm not a universalist. I'm not saying everybody's going to heaven. I'm telling you that God doesn't miss things. That's the beauty of Jesus. He is the one who doesn't quench the smoking wick. He doesn't. He sees what you and I, we see a little smoke, or we don't see anything. We, some, some person, we think, ah, oh, useless turd. You know, we got a bad attitude. God sees what they can be. And who they are when he grabs them. And he's still in the business of grabbing everyone. Whosoever will, let him come. That's the gospel, man. Anything else is just noise. But the word, the trumpet sound of the word of God in Christ and through the scriptures is eternal, is steadfast, and, and endures through all of life that is shaking we're in a very shaking time. We've been in it. The world's been in it. We're so short-sighted as people, apart from the, the ointment of God. And that's why in the New Testament, in, in Revelation, he, one of the things he tells the church, buy gold, the true gold from God, an ointment for your eyes that you might see. got to have that. And that comes through the Spirit. That's the illumination of the Spirit. He gives that to us. When we read the Scriptures, not just a dead Bible, the Bible's dead. When I come back from Vietnam, I was with a bunch of black brothers, and we were recouping in a casual company in, the Cal, in San Francisco, Treasure Island there. And uh, I, was, I was wild. I was, out, I was out to lunch, brother. And, and uh, I hung out with these brothers, and we'd be smoking weed and carrying on, going on in Oakland, hanging out with the women, carrying on, drinking, just crazy. But I was I was reading the scriptures. We had one of them Gideon Bibles that they issued to all military personnel. And I was reading one of them and nothing. I was reading the parable of the soul and it was just I was so frustrated, I got pissed off and I just threw it across the squad bay. These black brothers looked at me because they were they'd been around Christian stuff. They're their mamas and stuff. There's some real believers among them. They said, yeah, wow, whoo. Huh. You know, I mean they they knew, they had a fear of God way underneath, maybe. You might not see it because they were playing their game. We all did. We had our fronts. They saw. They knew the truth. And they knew I was an idiot. They knew it. There wasn't no doubt about it. Through the scripture, across the squad, they pissed off. Well, God in his mercy he didn't hold out against me and never has. He's the best. You know, the best person that's touched you in terms of kindness and goodness and forgiveness is a shadow of Christ. Uh, the best is, is not as good as he is. He is the perfection of beauty. Psalm 50 says, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shown, Christ has shown, Christ our light, Christ the light has shown and has shown in our hearts to give us the grace to know the goodness and the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So let me just encourage you in that, brothers and sisters. I'm joy, uh, joyful to be here with you. I'm going to read just this one thing. Jaeger survived. Chief, my buddy, Harlan Bonberry, went out and got him under the sniper. Drug him in under cover. Sergeant Jakes, Ray Jakes, who was a 30-year Marine, Sergeant Major, 1st Marine Division, when he got out. He's gone now. Lord's taken took him. He, he took a cellophane wrapper. Chief drug him out in the, so the sniper couldn't get him. Undercover. Jakes had the presence of mine, Staff Sergeant Ray Jakes at the time, took a plastic cellophane from a C ration cigarette pack, four smokes in the pack we all smoked in. And sealed that sucking chest wound that was killing him, Corporal Yeager. Put that on him, put the compress on him, we got him medevaced out. Sniper died. But this is about the sniper, and I remember because I saw a movie about the Navajo Code Talkers. Who my dad talked about as a Marine on Iwo Jima. He knew a bunch of these guys: Ira Hayes, 28th Regiment, 5th Easy Company. Those guys. That was my dad's outfit. So you, you see, how I got to, you know, take off my hat when I'm around my dad. He's gone now, so to speak. He, I, my thing was compar- comparatively mild to 35 days as on the Zippo. That's what they called the a flamethrower in those days. He was humping the Zippo, and it was the most sought-after weapon in the war because nobody wanted to get cooked either side. They saw them tanks, man. You were getting something. Anyways, God snagged him. The old man, Jesus, four months after I came to faith, God grabbed him, and he used to meet with us in the parks there in Detroit. He was the only older guy there at the time. Then they opened their house later and had Bible studies for years, took people in. They were servants. My mom and dad were serving Jesus, man. They always had some faith, but God just opened it right up, man, which is what he does with us. Now here I'm sharing the word more than ever. This was about the sniper. To know, it's called. I saw a sniper tied into a tree who tried to kill my friends and also me. His courage, well, it shames me to this day that he there gave his life, threw it away to further what he thought a cause most just, yet this cause too is tainted by much rust. Yes, men will give their bodies to be burned, to try and reach the place for which they yearn. The clouds of deception settle heavy here. They cover the whole planet every year. And people cry, is there no way to see, to know for sure the path that sets us free? Oh, yes, there is one light that still burns bright, though this world tries to keep it from our sight. And many things are now called by this name, which smell of death and darkness and of shame. These counterfeits, they seek to hide the light, to keep us always groping in the night. But know the truth is true no matter what, and you can know it deep within your gut. The lion of the tribe of Judah, he is true. He died for me, and yes, he died for you. He alone is worthy of your heart. And of his very life, he will impart. He has the life alone that will not fade, no matter how we're gathered to the grave. So put your hand in his who bore the nails, and the treasure you will have will never pale. Yes, you can know for sure which is the one. His name is Jesus Christ, God's holy son, or the holy one. I am that I am tell him Moses I am has sent you come to free us from our bondage it's a great word in the book of Ezra that talks about it. the Lord sends his people and he, he sends a word to the prophets to the children there, they're in bondage in Babylon and only about a third of them leave the rest of them want to get comfortable even in bondage one of the strangest questions you ever read in the Bible is where Christ asks a man who's been laying at a pool for 38 years, you can't walk. Do you want to be healed? You imagine some psychiatrist asking somebody that? Do I want to be healed? But see, Christ knew what was in people. He knows that you can get comfortable in the worst conditions and become, you know, better to be with the devil you know than the devil you don't, that kind of thing. That's what people say. It was a stupid thing, isn't it? But that's what people think. And we're, we're all prone to deception. The scripture, that's what this is about. The k- Clouds of deception settle heavy here. They cover the whole planet every year. This is what the Word of God teaches you. The the, the Apostle John in the epistle, there in 5th chapter of 1 John, he says, Beloved, the whole world lies in wickedness. Isaiah says, Brothers, sisters, darkness covers the earth and gross darkness the people, but the light of God will rise upon you and has rose upon you in one place. And Christ with us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus in you. That's a reality. That's not a theory. That's not a cosmic consciousness thing. That's fact. He came into our world. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them he gave power to become his sons and daughters. Today, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not hesitating to say that to you. Some of you already know that. But it's a, it's a progressive thing through life. You to have it more as you get older, not less. I'm in a body that's going down. I'm on the backside of the mountain now. For as long as God wants me. But in the meantime, I got company. I got Christ in me. I got Jesus, man. And I don't deserve it. Nobody needs to tell me that. But God is good. And God is true though every man be a liar. God is true. He is the truth. He's everything it says, the way, the truth, the life. And in him we have abundant life. And Jesus is the one who gives us a picture of life and what the world. John 10 is where Christ is talking about the powers of darkness, which control this world, by the way. It's not the powers of men. That's why we pray for people in office, even though I want to grab one and slam his head against the wall. (laughs) I do. I'm not going to lie about it. God says, well, pray for him. Because if he goes away from this life, Unrepentant, he's got serious problems. Mm-hmm. What he's got here is nothing. That, that 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 judgment of God is true. It's gonna be it's not gonna change because we don't believe in God. I don't believe the Bible. Doesn't matter. The truth is the truth, is the truth, and if you want the truth, you come to Christ. You come to Jesus, and He will teach you and establish you and make you a burning and a shining light in spite of yourself. Because it's all of Christ, not us. It's all Jesus. I mean, we're remembering that today, the Pentecost. He says, you in Jerusalem until so you're endued with power from on high." Same power, two thousand years ago. That's a blink. For a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Peter says, it, and that's why you read the scriptures, and it's like, well, thank, the, the ink is still wet. So I told a friend of mine about these poems I wrote them 30 thirty-plus years ago. They sat in a locker in Hygiene, Colorado, for two decades. I'm mean, not giving them to people. And one was published in a magazine, in Vietnam a veteran magazine, in Seattle. And then, but they're all about Jesus. They're they're all they all just came out of struggle and trying to follow the Lord and being imperfect and being a nothing <laughs> and having knowing the mercy of God and holding on and praying for strength to hold on and letting go and say, "You're going to have to duct tape me to this plow, Lord, because I ain't holding it well." I don't have to say stuff like that. Because I just got to be honest. And when I hated stuff when I, and the politics, and now it's like, Tom, remember what I taught my servant Paul? What? To know nothing among the people you speak to save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because there is the power of God. The preaching of the cross, the belief in what Jesus has done for our sins, for us as sinful men and women is what begins the life and what starts life. He is the author and finisher of our faith. We don't do it ourselves, but we're co-workers with him. And then we get to be co-heirs with God and of Jesus. So I, I think I'm about upright. I, I can go on in a while, guys. It's been a while since I did this. But I, so we got some poems here. We don't sell them. Gave some here when I was here before. They're being republished. I'm not in a hurry to get that done. But they're just things of the Word. If you know the Scripture, you read those, you'll see where I was crying out to God. It's really how they came out. The story, you know, 20 years after the war for me, you know, that was 20 years later, I remembered the sniper. And I saw it in a different perspective, like the Code Talkers that one brother and the, Nick Cage was the sniper that carrying. You know they were watching over the code talkers, in Navajo Native Americans, and their language. They could. They never did break that code, by the way. No, they didn't. And uh, but one of the brothers, when they're walking down the road before the end of it, uh, he says, um, "He says, man, 50 years we're probably be sitting down with the Nipponese, drinking sake with them, shooting someone else. Mm-hmm. You well." You don't know the Vietnamese people were our allies during the Second War for four years against the Japanese. I won't get into that scenario with you, because that pisses me off. Yeah, because we were lied to about a lot of things, straight up. And we bought it. And like good the Marines, and, and especially with our dads being those guys, we went. My dad said, that's a bad scene there, bro. He didn't want to see me go over there. He couldn't go to the airport when they took me to, to go. He, was, he couldn't go. It was too, it'd be, he wasn't going to cry in front of people. Especially then, nobody cried among people. I cry now like I never did. I do. I choke up. I can't read my own poetry. i choking up half the time. You know, the last one in the book's about the line. We sat on a bunker and watched him come in, hanging from a chopper on a line that was thin. Just one lone Marine that was left from the fight. The rest of the team had been swallowed by night. Yet deep in the jungle, they hit a main force. They have known if that happened, what would be their course. Just as soon as it happened, they radioed fast, but with the firefight building, they knew we can't last. With their smoke, they had signals, so they fought as they could. They were losing ground quickly. Had the smoke done its good? When they heard it above them, the choppers had come, but two of the four were no longer see sun. Choppers were blazing. The fight would be won, but the third man was down, and his battle days done. A line then was dropped for the one lonely man. The rope burns didn't matter, nor the tearing of flesh. He was holding that lifeline as if it was his breath. He had that man on the chopper, that one lone Marine. I can still hear him saying, save me, save me. Our Lord, like that lifeline that was dropped from the sky, came willingly down, and he knew he would die. And the pain and the sorrow didn't matter, you see, because he knew if he did it, he could save you and me. We've been given a lifeline in this life's battle zone and if you grab onto it he will carry you home. We won't have all the answers this side of the grave but one day we will from the one who can save. Yes, one thing I will tell you our lifeline is here and even in this place he'll sweeten your tears. Life here it's passing and it's passing so fast. Please grab onto this lifeline before he goes past. That's the last point. Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you so much, Tom. And as we are completing this, uh, this morning, it's been good to be together. And it's been good to hear that voice, that voice of someone who is, again, knows life and death. And he points to life, choose life. And it all began one evening just going to a a meeting and Tom stood up and just said can you tell me how to get rid of this hatred inside of me because things build up and that's one thing about us humans is wherever humans are garbage debris builds up wherever we are whatever continent but the one thing that day Tom stood up and just asked can you tell me how to get rid of this hatred and they circled around him and prayed with him, and he just prayers he knew was, God, help me, forgive me. I agreed with the people that are praying over me. And God Almighty transformed his life. And it begins with speaking. It has been and always will be a one-on-one transaction between ourselves and God. And if you'd like to do that today, would you bow your heads with me and follow me in this prayer of committing our lives to the Lord. Heavenly Father. Just pray it in your heart. I come to you today, and I believe in you, and I believe that your son died on the cross for me. I don't understand it in all its entirety, but I want to. And so I ask you, Lord Jesus, to enter into my life and forgive me of my sins, and wash me clean. Give me a new heart. I ask for a new heart today. And Lord, like you did with that man Tom, will you lift up all the things inside of me that keep me down, that burden me, and I can't change about myself. Help me to become more like you, and guide me, Lord, to become one of your children from this day forward. And I ask these things, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.